0: Welcome back to Everyday Einstein's Quick and Dirty Tips for Making Sense of Science. I'm your host, Lee Phelan, and today we're going to talk about correlation versus causation. A few weeks ago, our family took a ferry across the English Channel. On the way from England to France, the ferry was extremely crowded, and the crossing took about 75 minutes. On the way back from France to England, there was hardly anyone on the ferry, and the captain announced that the crossing would take 95 minutes. My five-year-old wondered why the crossing was going to take longer on the way back and came up with this hypothesis. Maybe when there's less people, the the boat goes slow, but when there's more people, the boat goes faster. All the facts seemed to support her, and while this could be possible, I hope you'll agree that it wasn't the most likely explanation. You see, my five-year-old had fallen prey to a classic statistical fallacy. Correlation is not causation. This phrase is so well known that even people who don't know anything about statistics often know this to be true. But the thing is, sometimes in science, correlation is all you've got. Before we talk more, I want to thank Netflix for sponsoring this week's podcast. You can watch thousands of TV episodes and movies on your PC, Mac, iPad, iPhone, or Touch, or on your TV through your Xbox, PS3, or Wii, all streamed instantly by Netflix, saving you time, money, and hassle. For a free 30-day trial, go to netflix.com qdt. The official name for this type of logical fallacy is Coomhawk Ergo propter hoc," or with this, therefore, because of this. According to my daughter's reasoning, after fewer people got on the ferry, the trip took longer. Therefore, the trip took longer because fewer people got on the ferry. It's easy to see the problem with this kind of logic if we look at a few examples. After I washed my car, it rained. Therefore, washing my car causes rain. Or, when I got in the bathtub, the phone rang. Therefore, getting in the bathtub will lead to the phone ringing. Yeah, we won our baseball game when I was wearing this pair of socks, so it must be these lucky socks that made us win. So, if this is such a well-known fallacy, why does it show up so often? Well, the place it shows up the most often is in media headlines, which unfortunately is where most people get their science information. Imagine you're looking to buy a magazine. Which headline grabs your attention? One study on a limited population shows that when people do X, Y happens a certain percentage of the time. Or how about this one? Link found between doing X and Y happening. Or maybe this was better. New research shows that X causes Y. If you've ever read a scientific paper, you'll find that almost all scientists make statements like the first one. However, by the time this research hits the popular media, it's often transformed to look a lot more like that last one. So, if correlations are such rubbish, why do scientists spend so much time telling us about them? Well, the thing is, that while no scientist believes that correlation necessarily means causation, to a scientist, a correlation between two things can be like a signpost that helps guide them to the truth. Imagine that you're trying to figure out your boyfriend's favorite kind of ice cream, so you can buy him some for his birthday you don't want to give away the surprise by coming right out and asking him. However, you've noticed that whenever he goes out for ice cream with his friends, he always comes back with a chocolate stain on his shirt. In other words, chocolate shirt stains are correlated with him going out for ice cream. Now, you might want to jump to a conclusion here and say, the chocolate stain is caused by him eating chocolate ice cream. But that would be succumbing to the correlation fallacy, and you're smarter than that. Maybe one of his friends always manages to spill chocolate ice cream on your boyfriend's shirt. Maybe they're involved in some kind of male bonding that requires them to throw ice cream at each other. It might not even be plain chocolate. Maybe it's Rocky Road or Fudge Ripple. The possibilities are endless. So you decide to use your stain observations to come up with a hypothesis that can be tested. You hypothesize that your boyfriend likes plain chocolate. So to test your hypothesis, you buy some chocolate ice cream for yourself and offer him a bite. He turns his nose up at it and says that plain chocolate is too boring. Now, while you haven't discovered the truth yet, you can use this new evidence to refine your hypothesis. You look for more correlations, noticing how much he seems to like marshmallows. A few days later, you offer him a bite of Rocky Road. His eyes light up and a broad smile stretches across his face as he takes half of your ice cream in a single bite. Success! Once again... I want to thank Netflix for sponsoring this week's podcast. One of my favorite shows on Netflix right now is Mythbusters. When I want to teach my kids something exciting about science, I always ask myself, would this be a safe thing to do in our house with the kids? Usually it is, but sometimes there are questions we just can't answer safely, like, is it safe to take a shower during a thunderstorm? Well, fortunately, Mythbusters have answered that question for us. And so we tune in at Netflix.com to watch it on instant streaming. With Netflix instant streaming, you can watch tons of movies and TV shows and you can get a free 30-day trial at Netflix.com QDT. So now you know all about correlation and causation. The three takeaway messages from this episode are, number one, just because two things happen together doesn't necessarily mean that one causes the other. Number two, Looking for correlations is one of the most frequently used techniques in science because it provides us with hypotheses that we can test to find the true cause of what we're investigating. And number three, your boyfriend needs a lesson on how to eat ice cream properly. If you like today's episode, you can become a fan of Everyday Einstein on Facebook or follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Einstein. If you have a question you'd like to see on a future episode, send me an email at everydayeinstein at quickanddirtytips.com. Till next time, I'm your host, Lee Phelan, with Everyday Einstein's Quick and Dirty Tips for Making Sense of Science. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block.